What's going on, New York Giant fans and anyone else watching? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. If you guys haven't already, like, comment, subscribe if you're on YouTube. Turn off post notifications so you know when a live stream pops or your drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. I want to give a shout out to, I think this is his name, so hopefully I'm not screwing things up. Uh, One Rock, I think that's his name, and Birdgang31 for having me on their channel on Friday night. It was a very fun stream. Football Talk with Benny was on there. We discussed some Giants-Eagles stuff in a very calm manner. We joked around. We talked football. We did some stuff. And it was a very fun preview. Likely doing that with them again on their channel when the second Eagle game comes close. When the Giants actually play in Philly. So that was fun. Shouts to uh, Big Pat having me on his channel on Friday night for... Having me on his channel for the uh, film breakdown that he usually does. Authentic was on there. Classified 3F with Joel. And we uh, looked through some film as well. So just some stuff I wanted to get out of the way. Also, please follow the podcast on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other stuff. Before I go into this, of course, I am going to the game this week. Very fun. Very exciting. I cannot wait at all. I'll be sitting in Section 202B, which... There's three decks, but there's like a second deck, and then there's one that's like slanted, but it's still part of that second deck. It's near the scoreboards, or I should say the uh, the big boards, even though they have them on each corner of the stadium, but there's like that one section. It was like 202B, 203B, I think it is, but if you look on a map, you'll recognize it. Those are the seats I'm sitting in. I'm probably going to be along with the Talking Giants tailgate, which is starting at 8, 9 a.m. Going to get there in an Uber and take the bus home. So it's going to be a fun experience for myself. If you happen to uh, recognize who I am, come out and uh, say hello. If you don't want to do that, that's also fine as well. Love talking with Giant fans, even if Eagle fans do end up showing up. So that will be interesting. Um, Also, just one more announcement. At 2.30 p.m., I will be going live with JC Eagles Talk on Saturday. We will be previewing the game, talking about the NFC East, and a lot of other scenarios because the Eagles and their fan base right now, they want to win as many games as possible because the Dallas Cowboys fell to the Las Vegas Raiders on Thursday and the division is getting closer within range for the Philadelphia Eagles. So they want to win this game. They They want to win a lot of other games. And this is a big weekend for them. Big weekend for the Giants as well. As they just lost to Tampa Bay. But there's a lot of stuff going into this game for both squads. I'll talk about the Giants aspect right now. Some of the Giants players, obviously on Twitter last year, said, Oh, well, screw the Eagles, F the Eagles, all this other stuff because of what they did. In my opinion, they tanked that last game so that Washington get in the to get so that Washington could get into the playoffs and the Giants would not get into the playoffs, they would be eliminated. Now, obviously that is the New York Giants own fault because well, they did not win enough games. Cowboy game, the Eagle game, all these other games that they were thin razor close in, they did not win. So that's on them. But a lot of these players are, I would say, more motivated than ever in some cases because season's on the line. You got the Eagles in front of you and Washington to some extent, so you want to get over them. 
You're coming off of a blowout against Tampa Bay, so you want to rejuvenate the energy in the locker room. Jason Garrett just got fired, so the offensive players. And true story, one of the beat writers came out and said that Saquon said in the press conference that the offensive coaching staff got together with the players and they were discussing some plays that the players would like to run. So you know what? That's called benefiting the players over scheme, something Jason Garrett really didn't know how to do. Other than that, I don't think there's any other motivation except winning for the Giants. And they also want to play spoiler to the Eagles' intended playoff run. Now, the Eagles, they could either win the division, go for that, or they could actually get a wild card. I'm pretty sure a lot of Eagle fans were rooting against the Saints on Thursday because they were playing the Bills and the Saints have or had one of those final wild card spots. So there's a lot of stuff going into this game. And if one wins, one wins. If one loses, one loses. The situation, you know, it's it's very, very meaningful to both sides. So let's talk about the injury report. Nothing, or I should say next to nothing, for the Philadelphia Eagles, though they did lose a key piece. I think it was last week, Jordan Howard. He is out with a knee injury, though Miles Sanders came back. Kenneth Gainwell will be a part of the rotation. They also have, um, why am I forgetting his name? Boston Scott, who is prone to killing the Giants in the running game. Did that in 2017. Excuse me, not 2017. Why am I thinking that? He did that in 2019, both games. And he did that in 2020, catching a touchdown pass. I think it was the final touchdown pass in the first Eagle game. And the second Eagle game, he went off for like a 56-yard touchdown run. So expect him to be a part of this Eagle offense to go along with Jalen Hurts, Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders. For the Giants, it's a pretty extensive injury report, and it's not a positive thing. Sterling Shepard is out with a quad injury, Colin Gillespie is out with a calf injury, and Caden Smith is out with a knee injury. Who is doubtful, which this is the first time this season the Giants have had anybody doubtful. But once again, not a good thing. Kyle Rudolph is doubtful with a right ankle injury, and Kadarius Toney is questionable, excuse me, not questionable, doubtful with a quad injury. So, those two likely are not playing. However, Saquon Barkley and John Ross, one with an ankle injury, one with a quad injury, both are questionable. Logan Ryan is still on the COVID list and is likely not playing this week, which is unfortunate. But the Giants have to learn how to bode without him. Me personally, I don't think he's going to be missed as much this week as he was last week. Because last week, Brady, that team is one of the highest passing teams in terms of pass rate. Pass one of the highest amounts in the NFL. And they also have success doing that. While this week it's more of the running game. And they will miss Logan Ryan, no doubt, in his leadership, but I don't think it's going to be as much as last week. So no practice squad protections for either squad this week. I really didn't expect the Eagles to have any practice squad protections, but the Giants, I'm surprised. Uh, You know, no other tight ends, 
you know, anything like that. Chris Myrick was signed to the active roster earlier this week. So that's where the two tight ends come in. I just find it a little strange. I don't think the Giants have anyone else in terms of tight ends on the practice squad, at least that I know of. Myrick, I believe, was the only one. So if they have a three tight end set, it's probably going to be Matt Parrott. Hopefully not in the receiving game, unless he catches a touchdown. But likely any three tight end set will be in terms of the running game. Or they have one blocking, two going out wide. I don't know. Uh, with that being said, let's go to positional matchups. As I do it every time. On paper, starting the year and also right now on the field production. Quarterback, New York Giants. Daniel Jones got better at the latter end of the 2020 season. Jalen Hurts was starting out. He was doing good in some areas. Turning over the ball really wasn't something that he... I'm trying to say it right here. and I'm trying to really form it. He turned the ball over a lot in terms of fumbling. Not throwing interceptions, but fumbling. He also had a very low completion rating. So coming into the year, not many had... High hopes for Jalen Hurts. I think he right now is not a better passer than Daniel Jones, but he's a better skill set player. And coming off of last week, you really don't feel good about Daniel Jones right now. A lot of Giants fans don't, and I don't blame them. I'm slightly going to go with the Eagles here. Though, I am open to change, to be changing my mind. I'm open to change my mind because I'm an open-minded person. Running back, New York Giants expected to be a good running team at least. Saquon Barkley, Devontae Booker. Philly really has captured that out of two teams on the field. Kenneth Gainwell, their running system by committee works. And Eagle fans were claiming, clamoring at the beginning of the year, oh, they need to run the ball more, they need to run the ball more. Well, their offense has shot up ever since they really started running the ball. Not just because of Jalen Hurts, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, all those guys in the receiving and running game. Wide receiver, New York Giants coming into the season, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard. Though Philly, I'll take them by a slight margin. Quez Watkins has been decent this year. Not much of anything for the other wide receivers other than Devontae Smith. He's been good. He's been the rookie they wanted, the rookie that the Giants wanted. So I'm going to go with them. He's been, I would say, the most consistent wide receiver on their team because Quez Watkins has dropped a couple of passes. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, not much of anything. Jalen Rager, eh, you know. With that being said, tight ends. I'll take Philly on both. Coming into the year, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard. I'll still take Dallas Goddard over the entire production of the New York Giants tight end core. I wanted Dallas Goddard in free agency in 2022. Obviously, that's not happening with the extension. Offensive line. A lot of returning players for both sides. Because of injuries, because of draft, stuff like that. I give the Eagles the edge in terms of coming into the season. Um, in terms of um, on-field production, you have to go with the Eagles. They've given up, I believe, that. 10th least sacks in the NFL, something like that. But even though Brandon Brooks hasn't been healthy, even though Andre Dillard looks like a bust, Jordan Mailata has stepped in there 
and he's played like a powerhouse left tackle. Jason Kelsey is still kicking in his mid-30s. Landon Dickerson is looking okay for them. Uh, Isaac Sumalo, I think he's injured, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he's injured. Jack Driscoll has been okay for them. Lane Johnson's actually stayed healthy. So I'm definitely taking the Eagles there. In terms of the defensive line, it's been a disappointment for both teams, I would say. In my opinion, because Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, uh, Javon Hargrave, those players were expected to come back and actually be something. Um, with that being said, it really hasn't been the production that the Eagles have wanted. Their best player on the defensive line is Javon Hargrave, no doubt. But Fletcher Cox hasn't done much of anything this year. I think he's got one sack at best. So on both sides, I'll actually take the New York Giants because Leonard Williams coming off 11 and a half sack season, Austin Johnson as a good run defender, Dexter Lawrence improved last year. This year, eh, sometimes you'll see him, sometimes you won't. And I'll take the Giants just slightly in terms of production. And they don't know how to get to the passer. This also includes defensive ends for them. Derek Barnett really hasn't been good. I mean, through his Eagles tenure, he's not living up to the first-round pick hype. Josh Sweat has been good for them. He's their second-leading sacker. But once again, I'll take the Giants in terms of D-line. In terms of linebackers, Giants coming into the year with Blake Martinez. In terms of linebackers, this is a tough one. I might switch to the Eagles. I was considering the New York Giants as on-field production. But Tate Crowder's been inconsistent. Bernardrick McKinney has only played... This much of snap share, I'm going to have to go with the Eagles because TJ Edwards earned an extension for a reason. Now, guys like, I think they still have Alex Singleton and Sean Bradley and Jannard Avery. Those linebackers are not living up to the production. They're not even producing as much as Eagle fans and Eagle coaches would have wanted. But TJ Edwards has been the best linebacker for them. He's going to stay with them for another couple of years. In terms of cornerbacks, I'll take the New York Giants. I'll take the New York Giants. And Darius Slay, no doubt, has had a good year at corner. Avante Maddox, you know, you look at his stats and like, oh, well, these stats aren't really that good, right? But you have to look at advanced stats a little more, and you have to look at how many yards he actually gives up per reception. And his passer rating, because that tells you how many yards he gives up. In the slot, you're not going to give up yards like you do an outside cornerback. So Avante Maddox has been good. Giants really haven't been great in the slot over the last two years. They really haven't been great in the slot in the last couple of years. But James Bradbury has found his way. He's found his own not Pro Bowl type. Adore Jackson has been better than him in most games. But I'll take the New York Giants. I'll take the New York Giants. Steven Nelson has not necessarily been the greatest thing for them. He's not the worst corner in the league, but he's not a great number two corner. Not what the Giants have. Safety. The New York Giants coming into the year. Xavier McKinney, Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan. That safety core was supposed to be one of the best in the league or at least middle of the pack. Really hasn't lived up to that because Jabril Peppers got injured, wasn't being used correctly uh, at the beginning of the year. Logan Ryan has slowed down just a tad bit. And then Xavier McKinney, a little inconsistent to start, but he's... Coming on his own. You know, he's he's getting there. Because we have to remember, last year he didn't get a full season. I'll take the Philadelphia Eagles slightly. 
Rodney McLeod, he's still playing at a decent level. He's been in this league for a while now, now that I think about it. They usual deep safety, and then you have Anthony Harris, who's been playing well for them. So I'll take the safety group for the Eagles. And then for special teams, Giants are ranked better in special teams coming in the year. They were ranked better in special teams. Graham Gano was a better kicker than Jake Elliott. I'll just take the New York Giants on the special teams mark. Now let me flip over to my other stuff. Now let's go into rankings. It's like I'm playing music here, I know. But go to rankings. The Eagles will start with them because they are the away team. In terms of offense, they're 16th in total yards per game. They're 28th in passing offense. They're 2nd in rushing offense. They're 8th in points per game. In terms of defense, they rank 13th in total yards per game. 11th in pass defense, 21st in run defense, and 21st in points per game. Take a look at the Giants. The offensive side of the ball, they rank 23rd in total yards per game, 19th in passing offense, 25th in rushing offense, and 25th in points per game. You look at the E, uh, not the Eagles defense, the Giants defense, 26th in total yards per game, 25th in pass defense, 23rd in run defense, and 24th in points per game allowed. Couple of key cog stats before we go to things to look for players to watch. The Eagles run first down percentage is the highest in the NFL at 47.58. The Eagles pass rate, their pass play percentage is 50.37 which ranks last in the NFL and then you look at their run rate which is the best well not the best because sometimes you could run it a shit ton and not get any production but the highest uh, they have the highest run rate in the NFL the Browns I believe are behind them but the Eagles have a run rate of 49.63 now we take a look at things to look for players to watch you take a look I'm going to get to it now as I flip the paper over. If I can get it right here. Okay. Jalen Hurts. Obviously, as a passer, he's not that great. Completion percentage is not there. Though the touchdown interception ratio is not bad, he doesn't pass it that often. So you can't really judge that for Jalen Hurts. Maybe when he does pass the ball, you could do all these things. But with that being said, Jalen Hurts is more of a running quarterback, not a passing quarterback. Now, you take a look at his passing stats. He's got a completion percentage of 61.6, 2,306 yards, about 7.2 per throw, 265.8 yards per game, going along with 13 touchdowns and five interceptions, sacked 20 times. You take a look at him in the running game, 114 attempts, 618 yards, 5.4 per carry, 8 touchdowns. That is a big-time rushing quarterback, about 56.2 yards per game. He's had three fumbles this year, only lost one. You take a look at the other running backs by committee. You look at Miles Sanders, 79 rushes for 394 yards, 5 per pop, no touchdowns, but 4 big runs over 20 yards, one lost fumble, Jordan Howard, who is out for Sunday's game, 51 rushes, 274 yards, 5.4 per pop, one big run over 20 yards, so it's mostly short yardage with him, and then three touchdowns, no fumbles, Boston Scott, the Giants killer, 46 rushes, 221 yards, total three touchdowns, 4.8 per pop, no fumbles, and then Kenneth Gainwell, the rookie, I believe, out of 
Kansas or Memphis? I can't remember which one. But 43 rushes, 155 yards, 3.6 per carry, three touchdowns, one fumble loss. So I'm going to guess and draw a conclusion that it's mostly short yardage situations for Kenneth Gainwell, which obviously bodes as to why he's the third, fourth running back on the depth chart. Look at the receiving game. There's only really, I would say, three guys I'm looking at at most. Devontae Smith, big year for him, 46 receptions, 664 yards, four touchdowns, 60.4 yards per game. He's fumbled once, but he's been a good rookie receiver. He's been great for the Eagles. Good for the uh, good for the league, great for the Eagles. They needed a Oh, they finally got the weapon they have for the next couple of years, if he doesn't get injured. Look at Dallas Goddard, someone who I admire, someone who I have admired for the last couple of years. 34 receptions, 491 yards, two touchdowns, 49.1 yards per game, and only one fumble. And then you look at Quez Watkins, and I'll explain something in a minute. You look at Quez Watkins, 26 receptions, 408 yards, no touchdowns, but seven big plays. Those are plays over 20 yards. Total of 37.1 yards per game. He's a deep threat, just like Smith is, but he's more of a deep threat. And obviously, this is something to take with context and take with a grain of salt. Zach Ertz is their fourth leading receiver. So that tells you one of two things. It tells you either Zach Ertz was heavily involved before his departure to Arizona or it tells you that they don't pass the ball a lot. I would go with the latter. Take a look at the offensive line. Jordan Mailata, Landon Dickerson, Jason Kelsey, Jack Driscoll, and Lane Johnson. They've been playing solid football. And Brandon Brooks has gone out. Isaac Sumalo has gone out. They've been playing some solid football. Bit of a rough start in the careers of Landon Dickerson and Jordan Mailata. Obviously, one was taken in 2018, was a rugby player. And then Landon Dickerson was taken this year, hampered a little bit with injuries, but he's been playing well of late. Now, you take a look at the defensive side of the ball. Not too many guys to keep an eye on. Maybe guys to target if you're Freddie Kitchens, if you're the play caller, because we know he's the play caller. No need to pseudo anything. No need to trick anybody, because everybody knows that Freddie Kitchens is probably going to be the play caller. Though, then again, it could be Jerry Shaplinsky. I don't know. But Javon Hargrave has been the best in terms of the defensive line. Seven tackles for a loss, 11 quarterback hits, 16 total tackles, total of 16 pressures and six sacks so he is their leading sacker then you have josh sweat who was recently signed to an extension total of three and a half sacks 40 total tackles five tackles for a loss one pass deflection 16 quarterback pressures the same amount i you know surprisingly enough as javon hargrave and then he also has eight quarterback hits. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. Now, I really am not going to watch for anything in the linebacking core or the safety core. The safety core, it's nothing too much to take away, in my personal opinion. Linebacking core, it's just a target. But then again, the Giants don't have a slot receiver this Sunday. So I feel like what's going to happen is John Gannon's going to say, hey, 
Well, they don't have a slot receiver that's going to be Ingram, but I'm not changing my game plan. Avante Maddox is going to play the slot, which would be a safe bet, which would be a safe option and a great option for the Eagles on defense because if you put Evan Ingram, and we all know he is a mismatch for linebackers that can't cover tight ends. If you put TJ Edwards or... Jannard Avery or any of these other linebackers on Ingram, Ingram's going to have a game if the game plan is going to Ingram. If the catches are being made by Ingram, if the balls are being thrown to Ingram. If you have linebackers covering Evan Ingram, not a smart game plan. Just bet on your ass getting beat by Evan Ingram. If he doesn't drop any balls, it tipped him for interceptions. With that being said, Darius Slay, he's having a good year. Probably his best year I would say by far in the last few years, maybe the last year, year and a half maybe, because last year he wasn't really that good. His days in Detroit were numbered because of the fact of whole the whole Matt Patricia thing, and we're not getting into that. But Darius Slay on the season, 39 tackles, 4 tackles for a loss. Now this stat will jump out at people and people will say, oh, well that's not number one corner stats. He's allowed 39 completions on 60 targets, 3 interceptions, 356 yards allowed total, 9.1 yards per completion, 5.9 per target, 3 touchdowns, 76.8 passer rating. Obviously, the touchdowns, yeah, 3 touchdowns. But to keep a note with that, look at the yards allowed per completion. Look at the passer rating. It's not that high because the Eagles' defense keeps everything in front of them they don't allow the big play same thing can be said with Avante Maddox which we'll go over in a minute but Steven Nelson I would try to attack him as well even though the Giants really don't have a great number two wide receiver and I'm not saying Evan Ingram I'm not saying Kenny Galladay you have John Ross and Darius Slayton as your number two options Darius Slayton when he's playing his best ball he plays his best ball but we don't know when the hell that is because he's very inconsistent and John Ross well um, with John Ross, I feel he's good, but he's not somebody you're going to target 10 times a game, maybe like four or five at best. And I know the Giants are not going to pass 20, uh, not 20 times a game, like 40 times a game this game because the Eagles run defense is poor. And if Freddie Kitchens was smart or whoever's play calling was, or, uh, you know, whoever is play calling was smart, they would run the football a lot. I'm not saying run it like the Raiders game, but try to help out the quarterback with a sufficient running game. But for Steven Nelson, no tackles for a loss on the year, 35 tackles total, one interception. He's allowed 34 completions on 51 targets, 66.7 completion percentage. 434 yards, 12.8 yards allowed per completion, 8.5 yards per target, four touchdowns, and a passer rating of 111.1. That's not good. That is not good. You know, I don't know where those stats would be acceptable. Maybe on a rebuilding team. But, I mean, the Eagles are rebuilding. But, Steven Nelson has been in this league for years. Those are not great stats for a number two corner. Avante Maddox. Obviously, like Slay, you have to keep in mind with the stats, the context, everything else. Because this is an Eagles defense that keeps everything in front of them. So, for Avante Maddox, he's had one interception on the year. He's allowed 35 completions on 45 targets, 77.8 completion percentage, 234 yards, 
yards allowed per completion, 5.2 per target, a passer rating of 86.5, and only one touchdown allowed. So, obviously, the Giants will somewhat have their hands full with prominent defensive backs, not Pro Bowl defensive backs, not all pro defensive backs, but Avante Maddox is not going to allow 50-yard completions, 20-yard completions. He's going to allow the short stuff. So if it's a third and four, maybe you target Evan Ingram, you do whatever. But Avante Maddox and Darius Slay, despite what some of their stats say, and obviously the film has to be incorporated, despite what some of their stats say, you have to look at, well, they don't allow too many yards. Questions to answer. And then we'll go to keys to win, and then the prediction time, and then that will be the end of the podcast episode. Questions to answer. Will Freddie Kitchens have different tendencies OC? Well, we've seen already this week from the beat media that there's some different stuff going on. Receivers, they're getting tossed deep routes, one-handed catches, stuff like that. Saquon said that the offensive coaches have approached them and said, hey, what plays do you like running? So that's different tendencies right there. And Freddie Kitchens was very aggressive despite the results, very aggressive against the Browns. What was it, the most deep attempts of 2020 for the New York Giants in the Browns game with Colt McCoy as quarterback? The player execution wasn't great. Some of the managing wasn't great by Joe Judge. I would have rather just face went for it than just, hey, the punter's going to throw it to an offensive lineman. I personally didn't agree with that, but the aggressiveness was there with Freddie Kitchens as the temporary play caller. He'll be the temporary play call, play, call, play caller. I can't say that for some reason. Play caller for the next couple of games, and we'll see what's up. But I do expect some different tendencies as the offensive coordinator, temporary offensive coordinator. Number two, will Daniel Jones start to elevate his play post-Garrett? I want to see less one-read plays. Unless they have great success... Like, you're, you know, a deep ball to Galladay, a one-on-one, a back shoulder fade, that's not necessarily, you know, you're reading the whole field. That's more of a one read. But also, it's not, oh, you're looking at this side of the field, don't even know what the hell's going on on the left side of the field. So that's where he needs to elevate his play. He needs to be more aware. His pocket awareness needs to be better despite a bad offensive line. He needs to get out of that Jason Garrett mode and get into the aggressive Freddie Kitchens mode and give it to his targets. Number three, can Booker and Saquon be successful versus a poor run defense? Their linebacking core is not great despite uh, having TJ Edwards and having him get an extension. Linebacking core is not great. Eagle fans will tell you that. Eagle fans will tell you that's a major need that's been neglected for them the last couple of years. Their defensive line, it's nothing to really get excited about, but the problem is is our interior offensive line is very poor. Billy Price is garbage. Matt Skur is not that great. Will Hernandez is a ball mental errors. And we'll see what happens. I feel like they can be successful because if they ran the ball pretty well against the Raiders, they should run the ball pretty well against the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll see what happens, though. Number four, will Kenny Galladay finally get the ball like he deserves? Apparently, Joe Judge was talking in his presser this week about Kenny Galladay finally getting the ball. I expect them to force-feed him the ball. Now, 
if they finally recognize midway through the game, oh shit, they're force feeding Galladay for a reason, and they start covering up him up, and then Daniel Jones throws to him too many times, and maybe gets intercepted, or the pass deflections start coming in for Darius Slay, then that's where you go to somebody else. But Kenny Galladay does need the ball, I would say, more than seven times this game. My personal opinion, because I feel like Galladay can have success against Darius Slay. My personal opinion. Number five, how will Evan Ingram fare as a top target? I don't think that John Ross is going to catch like five passes this week. I think it's going to be one, two, or three. I think they're going to be big plays. Darius Slayton, if he's consistent, he'll catch a couple of passes. But I think Evan Ingram is the true number two target. I truly think he is because even last season when Darius Slayton was in, Evan Ingram was more targeted, though the turnovers came with it. So I think Evan Ingram will fare well as a top target if he's being used correctly and if he's going against the Eagles linebackers. Now, if he's going against Avante Maddox, that obviously provides some skepticism, whether Maddox will win that battle, whether Ingram will win that battle, we'll see on Sunday. Defense. Can this defense stop the Baltimore Ravens light? Obviously, it's like a knockoff of the Baltimore Ravens. Very successful running game. One of the highest run rates in the NFL. Top of the league in that. Giants didn't fare well against Lamar Jackson last year. And I know that's less talent, but right now, missing Logan Ryan could be a key factor. And I don't think it's going to be as big as, a, as, big of a factor as last week against Tampa Bay. But this week, Patrick Graham has to be aggressive. He can't be super passive aggressive and conservative. You can't play too high when this team runs the most in the NFL. Can't do that. Stack the box, stack the box, stack the box, and force him, meaning Jalen Hurts, to pass the ball. Because you have lockup corners for a reason. James Bradbury and Adoree Jackson can fare well against these receivers. They're not world beaters, please. Number two, who will cover Dallas Goddard and Devonta Smith? I think Devonta Smith is going to be covered by Adoree Jackson, and I think the Giants will either play zone to not get beat by Dallas Goddard, or they will stick James Bradbury on Goddard, which I believe is the way they should go. I think that's the matchup they should pick because it worked against the Chiefs. It somewhat worked against the Raiders. Go back to that same strategy so you don't have to be super conservative on defense and give Aaron Robinson a couple of snaps against Quez Watkins. What is he going to lose? He's going to gain experience. He's played well the last couple of weeks. Number three, will Patrick Graham be aggressive, play press, and stack the box? He has to be aggressive, as I just mentioned. He has to be aggressive against a team that runs the ball. Stack the box. Giant fans are sick and tired of... Team stacking the box against Saquon. They want to see the Giants just shut down the running game of the Eagles for once. Weird example, I know. Number four, will the defense somehow get to Jalen Hurts? They allow the 10th least sacks in the NFL. They've given up 20 this season, which is only two less than the Giants. Now, there are tendencies and there are narratives out there that I feel are believable that these type of quarterbacks contribute to their own sacks the offensive line is good in front of them but sometimes if they scramble if they do the wrong thing if they hold the ball too long if they do this that and the other thing they will get sacked so the Giants have to be very athletic out there they can't be passive aggressive no three-man rushes stuff like that when you blitz the shit out of Jalen Hurts you blitz the shit out of him and get there 
Quincy Rocher, Aziz Ojolari, some of the other guys. You have to get there. Number five, can this defense extend their turnover streak to 13 games? The Eagles are a team that does not turn the ball over on offense. So it's going to be very hard. But if you force Jalen Hurts to pass the ball, if you shut down that running game, make him one-dimensional, he's very inaccurate with the ball. Completion percentage is at 61. That's not great. And James Bradbury and Adoree Jackson, they can benefit off of the inaccuracy of Jalen Hurts. So you know what? There is your opportunity, Patrick Graham, to extend the turnover streak and actually give the ball back to your offense, which is expected to score more than 20 points this week, not like the last couple of weeks. Keys to win. Stop Jalen Hurts in the mini Ravens running game. They average 153 yards per game only behind the Cleveland Browns. you got to stop them. Stack the box. Make them one-dimensional. Set the edge. Besides stacking the box, you got to set the edge. If you don't set the edge... Giants are going to get their ass kicked. Number two, get Kenny Galladay and the other playmakers involved and change the offensive tendencies. Be more aggressive. This Eagles defense, they're not world beaters. They have decent corners. They're not world beaters. They're not pro bowlers. We're not facing the Rams and Jalen Ramsey and some of these other guys. We're facing the Eagles, for God's sake. Be aggressive. Take some of that anger out. Last year, you were supposed to go to the playoffs, supposed to, even though you didn't because, well, you didn't win off win enough games. Take that anger out and be aggressive against this team. It's a division rival for God's sake. Number three, run the football. Use Booker under center and then Saquon in the shotgun. I'm tired of seeing Saquon under center. He's not that type of running back. You could argue, well, he's past his prime, he's washed, his legs are done. I can argue that too, and I could see some of that point. But with that being said, you're not doing anything if you're just going to run him up the middle when he still thinks mentally that he can shake some tackles. Run him shotgun, get him some yards like that. Then when you want to do under center, then you run Booker. Then you run Brightwell. Then you run Elijah Penny. All right, prediction time. Let's end the podcast on a positive note. I'm going to the game. They're wearing their color rush jerseys, and they are not favored in that aspect and the betting aspect. But I'm taking my New York Giants to win. I think this is a redemption week, especially after the blowout week. I think on a short week, they're more motivated with Freddie Kitchens and the other guys calling the plays. They're more motivated. They're more hyped. And this is a division rival, so they want to play spoiler like the Eagles did to them last year. Giants win, 26-21. If you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when the live stream pops for your drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Hope to see some of y'all at the tailgate. Uh, if you guys need any info, directions, whatever, Talking Giants has that, but I'm going to restate it for anyone who has interest. Lot L between sections 16 and 17, I believe. There's going to be a tailgate. Uh, catered by the Candlewick Diner, so there's probably going to be some diner food, some good food there. Starts at 8 a.m., and then game starts at 1 p.m., so you get to hang with the Giants' Twitter crew, basically, from 8 to 12, 12.30. So, hope to see some of y'all there. If not, thank you for coming out and supporting. Like, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when live stream pops or your drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. I've said it once, I say it again. I'm thankful for you guys as supporters, subscribers, whatever. Peace out. See you later. Stay cool.